Good morning and welcome to the SEC Daily here at Southeastern 14. I'm your host, Chris Lee, joined by my co-host, Gavin Schoenwald. Today, we're going to discuss the weekend that was in SEC football. You've got Georgia and Alabama, I think, emerging as the big stories following the weekend. You got some teams that lost games that didn't want to lose games, especially the coaches of those teams probably did not want to lose games given the climate around their tenures and, and those such things. Gavin can't wait to unpack this one today. Yeah, it'll be a good one, Chris, man. Um, a great weekend, a great weekend overall, and uh, some great games all around, really, if you're if we're being honest here. And um, like you said, there were some games that teams didn't want to lose that did, such as, you know, Florida and maybe some others that we'll get into. But, um, you know, I think I think we're going to start off with the big ones with, with LSU-Bama and then obviously what happened down there in Athens between Missouri and Georgia. So, Chris, it's Monday. People call it overreaction Monday, but I try to be as stable as I can be. So let's get right into it. Well, the the league certainly, in terms of re- remaining relevant in the national picture with the playoff and all, uh, checked the boxes it needed to check. I'm not I'm not saying the commissioner's out there rooting for, for Alabama and Georgia, <laughs> but if he's watching this pocketbook, he – he might have. So we'll get into that in just a minute. Always looking for sponsors here. Email caroline.smith at southeastern14.com if you are interested. Our show is presented by Bet Online. The last of major pro sports leagues has kicked off. Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season with MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and the NHL in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering odds, news, Trends and predictions, and you know what? They left something out. College basketball starts this afternoon, Gavin. Yep, about four hours from now. Yep, Georgia and Oregon, I think, is are going to be playing. So that's why get that there too. You can bet everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe. That is B L E A V to receive your fifty percent. Welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Alabama and Georgia had big games this weekend. Georgia was what I think a 15-ish point favorite over Missouri. Mm -hmm. Did not take care of business to that degree, but took care of business enough to get a nice win. Alabama, I was really worried about that matchup with LSU. Mm -hmm. Just thought that if they got in a track meet, I had some questions about their ability to keep up. Yeah. Instead, what happened was Jaden Daniels got hurt late. I don't think that made a difference in the outcome. And maybe the bigger thing, and this is kind of what we were watching going in. Like if there was one mystery heading into the weekend in these two big games, it was has LSU's defense really gotten better? Or was it just a product of the schedule? And I feel like we got our answer there because I think that was the difference in the game. I feel like Jaden Daniels or Jalen Milrow had, I mean, he he could have thrown a hand grenade in spots of that field the way yeah. it opened up and he not hurt a, hurt a person. Yep. Um, that, that, that was the way that Alabama game planned that and found stuff that worked, I thought was the difference in that game. Jalen Milrow was terrific. And that was the uh, story of the game for me, Chris. And yeah. let's just – Let's just think about this roller coaster of a season that Alabama has been on, right? They lose an opening, you know, beginning of the season game at home to Texas, and they look lifeless on the road against USF. 
And then now you, we, we've totally seen Jalen Milrow develop into not only a great quarterback, but an elite quarterback. And there's some, I mean, he went toe to toe. I still do believe that Jaden Daniels is the front runner for the Heisman. And he went toe to toe with him. And some can even argue that he outplayed him. And he goes all the way, he runs for all these yards. And look, he's, he's developed to where we saw early in the season that there was some shakiness with the Alabama offense because Milrow took a bunch of sacks because he wasn't thinking pass first. He would just try to run. Look, he can still run and hurt you with his feet, as we saw. He scored four touchdowns with his legs. But he's still looking to pass first now. And that's the biggest difference that I've seen in Milrow and how he's developed throughout the year. And I got to give credit as well to, to Alabama's defense and, and, and Kevin Steele. You know, I mentioned this because I first saw it in that Tennessee game when Joe Milton and Tennessee came out and just looked untouchable for that first half against in Tuscaloosa. And then Alabama shuts them down in the second half. It was a similar story here. You know, LSU scores a, a big touchdown right before the half that shifts the momentum. And, and Chris, between LSU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, the three opponents, three opponents that Alabama's played this year, Alabama's outscoring them combined 56 to 10 in the second half. That, wow. that, that's pretty remarkable. And not only that, but that's a plus 62 third quarter scoring margin. And so whatever they're doing at halftime, whether it's Kevin Steele, whether it's Saban, or the staff as a whole, is spot on, man. And I got to give it to the, I saw that in the Tennessee game. I thought they'd make the adjustments. It was actually a, a part of my bold prediction from this past week. I wasn't as accurate, but this one was maybe the closest one I had was the adjustments that Kevin Steele, Saban, and those guys make at halftime. Man, did it make a difference in that second half. Oh, yeah, and it also helps that Alabama goes 11 for 14 on third down. That's 78%. Ooh. Okay, Jalen Milrow was involved in 43 of Alabama's 69 snaps. But here, here is a stat for the weekend. Jalen Milrow rushed for 155 yards this weekend. And that is 203 more yards than he rushed for the last three weekends combined. Mm. He's dangerous. His feet are so and, – and you know what I saw is the acceleration is second to none. And he played like it was, it was a real deal. I'm not saying – I'm not comparing him. But as I'm watching this guy play – I'm like, this is what Michael Vick looked like when his prime and 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 with Atlanta, right? It's that style of play. I'm not saying that. He yeah, I, I don't like, know that he had quite that gear. Well, I'm not Michael saying that he's that player. That's why, that's why I said that. That's why I said yeah. that. I'm not saying he's gotcha. that player. But my point is, he gets outside the pocket, and the defense coordinator, you are grabbing that clipboard as hard as you can because you know he can beat you. And sure enough, that's what won the Alabama the game. And he's confident. He's got the team. The team is rallied around Jalen Milrow. He's excited in the post game interviews, smiling. He's having fun. And you know it's easy to root. For, it's easy to root for guys like that. It really is. And so yeah. I give my props to Jalen Milrow. I still give my props and obviously thoughts and prayers to Jaden Daniels, a monster hit he took from Dallas Turner. Yes. There, you know we can we can go into depth about that. I think it's a bang bang play. Twenty years ago, it's football. Maybe now it's targeting. I don't really know. But regardless, man, he's still an unbelievable player. And and and. But I got to give my credit to where it's due, and that Jalen Milrow, man. We talked we talked about this being a legacy game for Jaden Daniels, and on Monday we're sitting here talking about how well Jalen Milrow played, man. I got to give it to him. Got to give it to him. Did you think that was a dirty hit? I mean, I I think people should be careful when they throw that word around. So here's the thing, and I is is there dirty players in college football and sports as a whole? Sure, they're more inclined to do things. Dallas Turner is just in and around the quarterback so much more often that maybe he just has an opportunity to make things look, I don't look, I don't think he's a dirty player. I think it gets really dangerous, especially where, you know, you put on your helmet, you strap in the chin strap. If you get caught right at, on that chin strap and it lifts the face mask up, 
you're taking a hit to your bare chin because that's getting lifted from a helmet moving at you however many miles per hour. Do I think it's dirty? I don't. I think it's really unfortunate. I don't think he was trying to hurt him. But also, Chris, you and I sat here last week and talked about how Jaden Daniels has taken monster hits all year. All year. And look, maybe this one couldn't have been avoided because he's sitting in the pocket and whatnot. But he's taken monster hits all year. And you and I sat there and said, you know, if he has a chance, if he gets beat up enough and has to leave this game, LSU didn't stand a chance. Look, I think the game was over before this happened, but still a really unfortunate situation. And I really hope it doesn't affect his his Heisman odds or, or in the race moving forward. Let's flash back to September the 9th. Alabama loses to Texas. Texas really in a, a script that was the opposite of this one. Yep. Poured it on in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is a lot of pressure to be playing for your life as a team from the night of September 9th on. Since then, they have beaten South Florida, Ole Miss, one at Mississippi State, one at Texas A&M, beat Arkansas, beat Tennessee, beat LSU, those last three at home. Mm-hmm. That That is – oh, if, if you're looking at power rankings, Ole Miss is close to a top-10 team, A&M's in the top – 25 still Arkansas a top 40 team Tennessee a, a top 10 or 12 team LSU saying I mean they have now ripped off yeah a series of really impressive wins and I think when you look at how they were at the beginning of the season right what they were is they were a younger new team with an unproven quarterback right with some an early loss there's some real deal questions like some real questions but sure enough, that roster is littered with talent. And when you have great coaches, Nick Saban, Kevin Steele, even Tommy Reese, the job he's done, i got to give my props there now, especially on the second stretch of the season. When you give great coaches a lot of time with great players, usually great things happen. And so i got to give my props there to them. And, you know, let's – you said you want to rewind to September 9th. Okay, let's do it, Chris. Let's look at Texas and Alabama and the trajectories of their season, right? Look, I you go into Brian Denny, you get a win. That is still probably the best win in the country of, of anyone's resume. But – can, or Texas has survived against Houston, survived against Kansas State, and look at how Alabama's ascending, right? And so, look, yeah. when you rewind, is that did, did, did Texas beat Alabama? They did in their house. It's a huge deal. But the trajectories of their season, Alabama's getting better and better and better and better and look better each week. I can't say the same about Texas right now. You go into overtime against Kansas State and really probably should have lost that game, if we're being honest. I know Quinnier is, is, is injured, but still that roster is talented enough to where that should not be a game at all. And so it's just going to be really interesting to see if we get to a point in the conversation of – of uh, you know who's who's getting in, who's not for the college football playoff, and you're looking at Alabama and Texas, and you're saying, okay, Texas beat Alabama, but Alabama's playing way better and looks like a way better team this time year. It's just going to be interesting to see what that committee values. I, I do think the outright win, especially being on the road, would give Texas the edge. But man, I'd be lying to you if I said Texas or Alabama, and even Texas, but Alabama for sure is a completely different team than we saw that night on September night. Well, look at it again to go over the the bigger wins, and I just listed them all off, but specifically Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU, Texas. Texas is still a playoff contender with one loss set to Oklahoma. Those other three teams, well, I mean, Ole Miss is still a contender. If Ole Miss doesn't lose out again, and I think Ole Miss is going to get the benefit of not having to play an SEC title game Mm -hmm. against Georgia. We'll get to the Bulldogs here shortly and and could – could do the run the table, 
finish the regular season with one loss, then you're doing a lot of scoreboard watching yeah. in Oxford. But here's the point. LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, if they don't have to play Alabama, all three of those teams, and again, Ole Miss still in there, are, are, are still in the playoff mix right now as yeah. of this morning, if, if yeah. not for Alabama. I don't know how many teams can say they have wins under those circumstances. The truth and and Texas's loss is it, to Oklahoma is looking worse now. The OU's lost to Kansas yeah. and now they lost to Oklahoma. That's not helping them at all. I can say a little bit of the same thing for Ohio State too. That Notre Dame win, we were like, wow, what a massive on the road. And now Notre Dame's a three-loss team, right? Like it's it's not as impressive anymore. And so, like I said, we we want to rewind to September 9th. Texas gets a massive win in Tuscaloosa. We think the dynasty is over. They look lifeless at USF the next week, and then sure enough, Saban and his team just start ascending the whole way. And Texas is, is is plateauing a little bit. And so, look, it's going to be really interesting to see how all this ends. I could not be more impressed with, with Jalen Milrow and his ability to make plays. Jason McClellan's getting getting some traction now. They're a tough, tough runner. Um, man, it's just it, – it's inevitable, Chris. We're in a collision course for Georgia-Alabama. After we all yeah. said the most wide open we've ever seen this conference, who knows who's going to get it, who this and there, and it's still the big bad boys in the end, yeah. Alabama and Georgia. So – I, I just got to give my props there. What an unbelievable coaching job Saban's done this year. Well, you, you really have 11 playoff contenders after this weekend. The, the last two that, that squeak in there are Louisville and Ole Miss. And they're, they're remote shots, particularly Louisville. I don't know that Louisville is going to be able to – although if, if, if they get Florida State in the ACC title game, which is looking like a very likely matchup, who, who knows? Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the other one of those, of course, in the SEC – other than Ole Miss would be Georgia, mm-hmm. which in a in a take care of business game, uh, Georgia did just that. Carson Beck was good again. They got the Nazir Stackhouse interception late, yep. which was probably the defining play of that game. And Georgia has not beaten an impressive slate of teams so far, for the most part. That that's their best win. Uh, but boy, you know, beat Ole Miss, win at Tennessee. And at Georgia Tech, presumably, which won't be a layup for them, but yeah. should be a game they can win handily. Georgia Tech made that interesting last year. Uh, then, then you get that showdown with Alabama. Right. They were all waiting. But I, I hope. Well, I mean, look for for the drama of the league in the best interest of the league. Best thing would be for Georgia to get there unbeaten and Alabama to get there with one loss. Yeah. Because uh, I think from that point, the winner. You're gonna have a hard time. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I say that you just never know other places. Yeah, and the Big Ten's gonna have a big say in that, and the, and the Pac-12 might too, depending sure. on what what Oregon does. But uh, I think it's gonna be hard to keep. I mean, if, if it's Georgia, you're not gonna keep Georgia out at that point. And if it's Alabama, I, I think with that gauntlet of of games at that point, I don't know how you leave Alabama out either. Yeah. Oh, we're going to find out this week. Both teams can clinch. Alabama clinched the West and Georgia can clinch the East this weekend. So by this time next week, we should know who's meeting Atlanta, assuming these two teams win. Yeah. Neutral field right now, you match up Alabama and Georgia. And I'm looking at the computers. It is it is almost a pick em. I mean, it, it's Georgia maybe by a half point. Yeah, I believe it. And 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 each week, to be honest with you, I think it gets even a little bit closer because, like I said, Alabama's looked better and better and better each week. And the most position, important position in football, yeah. the quarterback position, he's growing exponentially, and that's Jalen Milrow. And so, look, 
Georgia's won 26 ball games in a row. It's going to be really hard for me to pick against them until I see them them lose a game. At the same time, you don't you don't make money betting against Nick Saban, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out in the end. But regardless, what it is, look, it's two great teams. This conference as a whole has has some really solid teams in and around the top. Ole Miss, Tennessee having another good year, um, and then obviously the two big dogs in, in Georgia and Alabama. So. This will all end eventually out as we saw, but what a what a roller coaster ride it's been for the Southeastern Conference this year. So Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship right now. You'll you'll take Georgia. I I would, but it's a lot closer than 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 I think it yeah. would have been if you asked me that last week, Chris. Yeah. FPI this morning has got Alabama with a better shot of getting to the title game. It's mm-hmm. now it's by like three percent. It's not by a lot, but again, that's that's got to do with remaining schedule. The worst of Alabama's is behind it. Yeah. The the worst of Georgia's is ahead of it. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. And so we'll see. I I think best thing for Georgia obviously is you get the get the big win against Ole Miss this weekend. Then you don't have to worry about. You know, if uh, you know, you still get you still get upset in Neyland Stadium. That may have playoff implications, but making it to Atlanta, winning the SEC, especially with you know how good this conference is, definitely holds value. However, you get there, you obviously want to show up undefeated, not with one loss like Alabama is. But I think it takes the pressure off a, a whole lot if you find a way to win this weekend against Ole Miss. I'm less bullish on Georgia's chances of losing to Ole Miss this weekend, just after Ole Miss's defense. I just Offense is the name of the game right now. It's why yep. we said I had some questions about Alabama being mm-hmm. able to beat LSU, but yep. you got to have a defense up to a certain standard too. Yeah, and I'm not sure Ole Miss is is there. I think Ole Miss is a really good team, maybe a maybe a number ten in the country team, a team that I think next year, if you have a college football playoff, the expanded one that we're going to get, yeah. a, a team that definitely I think is. For sure. Going to have a say, it w- would likely have a say in, in that format, even even with a, a loss to Georgia, presuming that is how it goes down. Yeah. I just think that defense on the road, I don't trust them to get enough stops yeah. to win that game. Well, I think with when you when you speak about Ole Miss, I think it's two things. One, what you just said it, Chris, is they have not been the same team on the road. They didn't look great against Auburn, found a way to win it, and then they laid an egg in Tuscaloosa with a golden opportunity when when Alabama was reeling, reeling after losing to Texas and then showing up lifeless against USF. But the second thing is you can argue that this is this is Lane Kiffin's most complete team in Oxford yet. Yeah. You have Jackson Dart, who's playing really well, Quinshot Judkins, who's finally getting his, his legs going and churning and kind of these, these long runs. And then Trey Harris is a man amongst boys. Oh my! Goodness. I mean, you throw it up to this Those guy. Catches these these catch and, you, and they're not like they're contested. They are all like literally 50-50 balls, and he makes them like ninety ten and comes down with every single one. And so, what an addition he's been to the t- this team. A three headed monster between him, Dart, and Judkins. And but you're right, you're right, Chris. The defense is is we all know Lane Kiffin, offensive, innovative. All these look. They even tried to hide hide a player and they threw it to him for a wide open touch. Like he's finding new ways to innovate this game. Right. But the, his Achilles heel over and over again is not having an elite defense that we know and we've seen from teams like Georgia and Alabama is something you need in this conference in order to win national championships. All right. I want to do winners and losers from this weekend besides those teams that we just went over before that, a reminder, our podcast brought to you by MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you are sick of working for someone else, looking for a better life that you can live on your terms, 
a guy that can help you understand the risks and rewards of that, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net, he will help you find the perfect franchise based on your goals, your dreams, your skills, your financial requirements. In other words, your personalized American dream. He will educate you on the process, work with you every step of the way. There is no obligation. His services are free. Call him 404-973-9901. Andy is a wonderful human being. He will invest a lot of time in you and what he's looking to do. He's not looking to just use you as a way to get a big commission. He is trying to figure out what makes you tick and what you need out of life and what franchise can provide that opportunity. He has done that for a bunch of people. He will do it for you too. Again, 404-973-9901. Fill out a free questionnaire and get started. All right, winners of the weekend. Probably the biggest one was Arkansas outside of the ones we talked about. Arkansas, I mean, that that was one of those games that you did not want to be the loser. And boy, we'll get to Florida in a minute. Correct. But that breathed a little bit of life back into Razorback Nation this weekend at a a time that it really needed it. And now you're looking down and you're going, okay, we got three wins. We got Auburn next weekend. We got that in Fayetteville. Winnable. FIU. Bottom five or ten team in the country. Yep. Winnable, barring some unforeseen disaster. And Missouri, in a a weird rivalry game, hey, you, Mm -hmm. you get to that point, you bought yourself maybe a little confidence with There'd be three wins in a row at this point if you can get there. Things yeah. suddenly looking up for the Razorbacks, and and one of the reasons is y- you cast off the piece, and Danny, you noticed that a lot of people thought was the problem. I was skeptical. I just watched the way they yeah. blocked, or, or maybe better said, didn't block, and I just thought, yeah. I don't know that a coordinator change in the middle of the season is going to help that. Guess what? <laughs> a coordinator change in a, <laughs> in a bye week in between absolutely helped that so did help the rocket sanders by the way yeah yeah it helps just like you said you nailed it chris it helps when you got really good players too and i see my man gregory in the comments man congratulations to arkansas not only a great win but maybe the most needed win of the season um you lose six in a row you go on the road to florida the swamp where they have not lost a lot often and you find a way to win that one and so like you said but this comes back down to the players man a back and forth game especially late in that fourth quarter Really, really enjoyable game to watch. I was sitting in the tailgate lots at Vanderbilt, and I was actually glued to the TV watching this one. An awesome, awesome game, especially there towards the end. But you know what it was? And finally, finally what we saw, what Arkansas fans thought they could depend on all year, was when push came to shove and it was time to win or lose that game, K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders made the plays that needed to be done. And that's what Arkansas fans have been looking for all year. You start the overtime period, you hold Florida to a field goal, and then you get a holding call. So now you're starting. It's first and 20. First and 20, touchdown to win it, field goal to tie it. In the first play, K.J. Jefferson scrambles, runs over a guy, gets a first down. Next play, handoff, Rocket Sanders bounces off a couple of tackles. Now you're down to the five. That's 30 yards and two plays from your best two players. And then you score, obviously, on the slant and walk it off in the swamp. And so – Got to give my credit to where it's due on Sam Pittman and those guys. Chris, you and I talked about Arkansas needing to steal possession. I mean, maybe more um, – I've never seen someone steal a ball from Ricky Pearsall like we saw at the very beginning of that game um, and then take it back. Obviously, the, the the I don't want to call it a scoop and score because the ball never even hit the ground. He just ripped it out of his hands and took off for 35 yards, and that was a huge play. Arkansas scored 14 points in the first three minutes of the game. A quick start and, and then a back and forth and some resilience there from the Hogs. So – Huge congratulations to those guys. 
But man, it was good to see Kaya Jefferson and Rocket Sanders uh, kind of be in the prime as, as we're so used to seeing them in years past, Chris. I keep this composite power pole just for my records to tell me how good teams are or aren't. And it's kind of like a, how many points above and below average are you? I use four computers that are kind of mainstream. I won't, I won't get you in the weeds too much, but yeah, you average those out. Arkansas sitting in that thing this morning at 37th nationally. Again, mm -hmm. suggesting that is more a, a team that's been unlucky and played a tough schedule than a team that's bad. I think that's and fair. Now you throw it. And, and that was with an offense that has been dysfunctional. Yeah. 90% of the year. Okay. Mm hmm now you throw in an offense that works. Hey, the, the Razorbacks might have a little something here. Yeah, and, and I'm sitting there watching that game on Saturday, Chris, and I'm like, this this, this Arkansas team is way better than two and six, way better. Yeah. And you look back at their losses, right, and they're like three, seven, six, whatever it may be, and some real heartbreaker games there. And, man, do they need this win. And, and we saw KJ Jefferson answer the bell, scoring late in the fourth quarter, and then putting his team on the back in overtime. Rocket Sanders, healthy, physical. Um, man, is he fun to watch. And then when they're in the backfield together, obviously that's a two-headed monster. That's that's really tough to stop. Even guys, there's guys on the outside who are long, lanky. Um, you know, look, two and six. Now you're three and six, a huge win. We Chris, you just went through the remaining schedule. Who knows how this season ends up? I think that they'd be a little quick to jump the gun here and 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 maybe look for a new coach at the end of the year. You can see it all over the place. The, the structure of the program, look, the wins and losses may not have been there this year. Tough, tough, heartbreaking losses. But you're lying to yourself if you don't look at that team and say, man, there's talent all over the place that you can definitely compete in this conference for years to come. So it'd be interesting to see what the future of uh, is for Sam Pittman in Arkansas. But, dang, does this win definitely help? Yeah, I hope it works. I root for good people. It's um, and, 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 look. He's one of them. The, the guy on the other sideline is is Billy Napier. We'll get to the, the losers in a minute, and, and Billy Napier in Florida fit in that category. Um, just briefly, I, I guess winners this weekend: Auburn and Jarquez Hunter. I, I think yeah. some of that. I hate to say more more just about Vandy being bad, but Hunter comes out, rips off two huge runs in the first quarter. Auburn never looks back at that point. So Jarquez Hunter in, in a weekend with some really big offensive numbers. He was a guy that's in the conversation there. Ole Miss, we talked about that one a little bit. Jackson Dart has about 400 yards of total offense in that one. So as much as we have sort of lamented Ole Miss's defensive performance, you, you got to give props to that offense. Tennessee's defense winner this weekend, what, yeah. two pick sixes allows only three points, so you're – you plus plus eleven with Tennessee's defense on the field. Not yeah, often you see that. And you know South Carolina Xavier Leggett was good again this weekend. What would he goes nine for two seventeen in the Jacksonville State game that we thought could be tricky for them under the circumstance. So give give her props to the Gamecocks for yeah, I, I for will pulling that one out. I, I will at the same time. You know, Jacksonville State's driving. They're down by three. They're driving with about two minutes left to win that game and just got bailed out by by a horrible throw that ended up with a pick six. Um, and But, you know, we've, we've said this multiple times over and over again, and, and I, I hate that we have to keep bringing it back up, but I keep seeing evidence of it. There seems to be a little bit of a disconnection there in, in Columbia this year, Chris. Yeah. And, uh, between the head coaching – between the head coach – and the narrative of what this program can be. And look, I, I am more than anyone about you celebrate the wins, man. They are they are hard to come by. 
and in, in this in this league, but also just as a whole. You get you work your tail off as a player year round for 365 days for 12 days a year for 12 days, and one one of those ends with it with a win. I don't care if you're playing Alabama or whatever school to blind. Like you you celebrate that thing, and so I hear him there. Uh, obviously, I'm referring to to Shane Beamer's post game presser that has provided a plethora of highlights um, this 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 year, but. There just seems to be a, a little bit of a disconnection. Um, and look, I think Shane Beamer is a funny guy. I think obviously, you know, he, he it speaks for it in recruiting. Guys like playing for him. But I'm not sure he handles adversity as well as, as no. maybe some other people in this conference. And, and as we know, um, this is a tough job in, at any school in this conference. And so it's just going to be really interesting to see how they finish the season and then how the offseason, what the narratives are. Obviously, when he speaks – um, but in the media as well, because, you know, as a player, I see this and I see what he says in front of, uh, you know, the media and people and writers. And it's a question mark. And then it makes me wonder, you know, what's he saying when it's just the team behind closed doors? Um, and so, look, it's I, I, I'm rooting for them. Like you said, I think Shane Beamer's a, a fine guy and I, I root for good people. But, man, I I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up, because that's to me, that's that's the biggest storyline in Columbia. It's not the win this past weekend. It's that there's there's a continuous disconnection or fracture that just seems to be getting a little bit bigger between the head coach and his fan base right now. Yeah. I'm trying to find the exact remarks that he said. He, he went uh, along the lines of, he went along the lines of, you know, cause they, they won the game obviously. And, and it was a lot closer than, than people um, maybe anticipated. And th- there were some real, real moments where, you know, Jacksonville state takes the lead in the second half. And then some real moments where, as I said, Jacksonville state driving to win the game and got bailed out by a horrible throw that led to a pick six and basically the press conference, the first three questions were, you know, it was basically as, as like a loss. They were asking about yeah. a loss. And so he was just kind of checking some media members saying it's, you know, we need to celebrate the wins and this and that. And there was a little bit of a rebuttal. And um, anyway, you guys can look it up. I'm sure it's all over social media or YouTube. But um, they got, you know, Vandy upcoming. And 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 so Vandy's reeling as well, Chris. That's something we talked about and haven't looked great. But um but I'm not sure if either of these teams are, to be honest with you. So I'll be interested to see what happens this weekend. All right, back to the Beamer thing. I mean, am I dreaming this, or were there some remarks about directed towards fans leaving that game early? Uh, I'm not sure if I saw that. Okay. I do know. I do know when I was watching some of the game, it it did not look like Prime Williams Bryce that I know. Now at the same time, look, it's I understand it's Jacksonville State, a you know middle of the season, out of conference, lower opponent game. I I totally understand that. But when when Williams Bryce is rocking, that is an absolute advantage, an absolute advantage to the home team, and it is hard to plan. I've played there, I think either two or three times now, um, and twice at night. And when it's at night and they're rolling and they're playing Sandstorm, I mean that is intimidating, especially on third down, and it's tough to win there. And and Gamecock uh, fans have the ability, but man, I, I need I need to see him fill the seats a little bit more. That's that's been that's been disappointing because I've seen what that place can be. And I understand, you know, Beamer's remarks there because it's it's a weapon. It's a weapon. And you know what? We would talk about weapons too. And I'm sorry that this is a little long-winded here, Chris. But what the heck's happened to South Carolina special teams this year? That used yeah. to be their that used to be their backbone. And and mm-hmm. it, it literally won them games in the past. Like it was an absolute weapon. And now I'm seeing, you know, fake punts against Jacksonville State throwing jump balls into, into a into like Xavier Leggett, who's playing gunner who's double covered and then there's no chance. And so I don't know if, if they're getting too aggressive there or what it was, but, but South Carolina special teams in years past 
has been an absolute weapon, and it's just totally dropped off this year. And obviously, it's shown in their record because it did literally win them games last year. Well, the the thing I was going, I think Shane Beamer's going to have to work on getting his emotions under control. I, I like the guy; I don't know him, but just everything I hear about him is a lot of things that we need in college athletics. So I'm I'm not going to go on a Shane Beamer bashing tour here, but if if they're calling out the fans, look, I, I have maintained for a long time. If you're picking the best football fan base in the conference, I think South Carolina's got an argument to be in there. And here's why. Okay. It's maybe it's not the big, maybe Tennessee gets more, Georgia gets more, whatever that looks like, right? But this is this is a pro I remember back when Lou Holtz was there a while back and they had back to back, I think, winless seasons. Mm-hmm. Their fans still showed up. Yeah, Their fans still showed up. They've been the number two program in their state for the better part of the last decade. As Clemson has, has gotten the fruits of its labors, winning a couple national titles. I I, I don't know. I, I didn't, well, I I didn't hear the comments. I think that – but you don't want to start questioning a fan base that has traditionally been there. And not that Carolina has – not done some good things, but it's not Alabama. It's not yeah. Georgia. It's not Florida. It's not LSU. It's not Tennessee. And yeah. I know Tennessee has been leaner there lately, but historically Tennessee's had a lot more to ch- It's not even Ole Miss right now. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, that, I that's, that's not a place. I, I would never think of pointing the finger at that fan base in terms of uh, guys who don't show up or, or, or maybe or too hard on on their guys. I would I would look a lot of other places first. Yeah, and I think you know, and maybe this is this is a reach of a metaphor, but like you said, there's Alabama, LSU, even Tennessee now. You know, those are big time historically winning programs, and South Carolina has has won as well. Maybe not as much as them, but when you talk about like pound for pound for what the the, the program is. South Carolina may have you know the most loyal and best fans in in this conference. Truly. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's disappointing to see out like like I said, full disclosure. That's that's where I was going out of high school before I had a change of heart and just decided to go to to go to Vandy. And and a huge allure for me and I know several other recruits was that fan base and how loyal they are and how loud they are and how passionate they are. And that is a weapon. That is an absolute weapon. And so, it, it goes back to to land the plane here. There's a disconnection right now, Chris. There's a disconnection right now between the head coach. And those loyal fans in Columbia, and and you know they need to figure it out soon. Otherwise, it could get ugly. Because that off season, if you don't if you don't enter that off season on a high note, it it's a long, long off season. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So some losers for the weekend. Um, Florida. I don't. I don't want to go too long on these because we got bowl projections to get to. Florida. Oh, Billy Napier. You didn't need to lose that one. Did not. No. No. That hurt. That hurt. And you know, I saw. Um, we sat on the show last week and said, man, Florida's look good. Look, they dropped the one opening weekend, didn't look good against Kentucky and whatnot, but have played well at home. You know, I was really confident in the Gators this weekend. It doesn't hurt when you when you give up 14 points in the first three minutes. And then, you know, I, I saw something the other or the today, this morning, actually, you know, they have a tough remaining schedule as well. And it doesn't help that that your big rivalry game at the end of the year is, is against an undefeated playoff contender team in Florida State as well. And so a tough road. They go to to Baton Rouge next week, but you know one more loss, and Billy Napier will be guaranteed to possess the fewest number of wins by a Florida head coach since Ooh. 1980. And and like that is, Florida is not a tough place to recruit. And once you get your guys in there, it should not be a tough place to win, especially at home. And so to a two and six team, 
You nailed it, Chris. Florida did not need that one. Man, Billy Napier did not need that one. And now I feel like we're going to be hearing about it the rest of the year. At LSU, at Missouri, Florida State. That is what's up. Mm. That's tough. That that might be the toughest final three stretch. It's got to be. And, 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 and this is this is weird to say that their best shot of the win might be at LSU because I wonder where LSU's head is going to be after getting what it yeah. came to play for this year taken. I mean, there's there's no and way they're going to down with three Especially losses. Jane Daniels, Daniels doesn't come. Man, I know Nussmeyer's good, but yeah, that's that, that might be their best chance, which is more statement about <laughs> – yeah, the rest steep of the hill. schedule than anything. That's a steep. That's a steep hill to climb. But yeah, disappointing for Florida. I know that they are very obviously. You talk about you know winning traditions, man. When, and when Florida is good, I believe this conference is better, and college football is better as a whole when Florida's winning. It's fun. I, I've said multiple times on the show that Florida is my favorite place to play in the entire conference. I've had, you know, it's just it's just a really really cool place, and I hate I hate to see a place like that be you know where it's at right now because I, I know what it can be. We all know what it can be, right? And and I'd yeah. love to see it get back to that. All right, I, I think the two places right now that just have have lost hope, Vandy, Mississippi State. Yeah, those two guys for sure. Um, I, I I'm very interested to see what happens with Zach Arnett. They just don't have an offense left. Yeah, and that was that was their backbone with with Mike Leach, right? Like they like like mm. I told you, I said this last week on the show, Chris, like. I looked at, you know, in previous years, especially when Mike Leach was there, you know, you, you tell me Mississippi State, I'm thinking a lot of yards and a lot of points, especially through the air. And that's yeah. the exact opposite of what this team is now. And and so, you look, and, and I've said this multiple times as well, a lot of sympathy for Zach Arnett, a lot of sympathy for those players. Obviously, a, a, a head coach suddenly passing away is something that is probably a lot harder to go through than maybe us casual fans think. Um, but, but, man um, – they're just dysfunctional. They don't look. They don't. They don't look it. Um, you know, Kentucky was fine. They weren't. They weren't anything outstanding, and they still beat them twenty-four to three. Like, there's no chance there. And so, some soul searching in Starkville for sure. Vanderbilt the same. Um, you know, they got like I said, South Carolina coming up. So maybe the last opportunity to get to get a, a win there. But um, yeah, there's like we talked about. We we entered this season, Chris. If you remember, we entered this season. We said. Everyone feels like they're disrespected. And one of the most common ones was from Mississippi State fans, right? Yeah. I mean, people feeling disrespected. And I understand that over the – there's a narrative that happens over the offseason and, you know, media days and all kinds of stuff, right? I, I understand that. But the good news and the bad news is some people are going to excel and some people are going to hit lower than their expectations. Right now, those are the two teams that are obviously underperforming um, and, you know, teams like like Missouri who are, who are you know, overachieving. And so – it's the reality. It's why you play the games in this conference. It's why it's so cutthroat. That's why the turnover of coaches and the best coaches are in this conference. But, you know, you want to stick around, baby. We need to see those wins pile up. All right. Bowl projections. We'll get there in just a minute. But before we do, Chomps is our go-to snack. Perfect after a workout, halftime, whatever. Nine flavors. So something for everyone. The place to start is the trial pack. That's got six different flavors. Three proteins there. 9 to 10 grams of protein, 60 to 100 calories per stick, whole 30 keto and certified paleo, gluten-free, free of the top nine allergens, no hidden harmful ingredients. Best of all, they taste great. You will love them. Your kids will love them. They are good. They are good for you. What else would you like? Use our promo code that you can see in the ticker at Chomps. Get 15% off your first order and help out those who help our show. Gavin, playoff 
projections and bowl projections, and yep. these are according to Jerry Palm. And I, I got to say, right off the top, um, his four playoff teams, Georgia and Texas in the 1-4 mm-hmm. matchup, Michigan and Florida State in the 2-3, um, that, that that is interesting. I, I believe in Florida State to get there. Yep. I believe it's going to be one SEC team. I think it's going to be one Big Ten team. Uh, we'll, we'll do this on a different show. Seeing Texas in, I, I guess that's the old um, Oregon's going to knock off Washington and, and somebody's got to go home under that scenario, but that was a little right. surprising to me. But and, and so that's a little surprising to me too, especially seeing Oregon in there. So just to recap here, this is Jerry Palm from from CBS, and what he has is Georgia, Texas in the one four in the All State Sugar Bowl, and on the other side in the Rose Bowl, which is the other semifinal, is Michigan, Florida State. The next two out are Oregon, Ohio State. So I'm assuming what he's saying is Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. But that Oregon placement in there tells me that when Oregon and Washington meet again in the Pac-12 Championship, or Oregon's going to knock them off. And so yeah. for me, I see that as okay. You take Texas and Oregon's resumes, right? And Texas's one loss is to Oklahoma. That's looking worse and worse by the week because now they've lost back-to-back games against Kansas and Oklahoma State. But they're saying that they avenged that loss or or they may not even get to play them now in the Big 12 championship game when Oregon's only loss is going to be to, I'd assume, an undefeated Washington that they beat and then our conference champions as well. To me, that's a better resume than Texas. And look, I know Texas has that win, like I said, in Tuscaloosa. It probably still is the best win in the country. But in terms of you uh, uh, overall body Oregon might might win that battle and so it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out because you know they're playing well they're, they went on and and not only beat Utah at, at in Utah who a lot of people don't but like, but they tossed them around in Utah in a sold yeah. out crowd and then you know is is what my man's saying on this bowl projections is saying that they're going to they're going to beat an undefeated Washington team in the Pac-12 final so to me that's that's a better resume than Texas look and that's why these are projections. Is is this going to happen? Probably not. He'd probably be a very rich man if this was a bet slip on Fanduel right now. But you yeah. know, this is why this is why we play the games and especially the conference championship. But definitely an an interesting, but but also it's it's a possible top six for sure. We will unpack that a little later in the week. We'll probably do a little playoff preview tomorrow for the top twenty five unveiling, and then unpack what the committee actually does on Wednesday. But. You got Washington and Tulane in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, we'll just do SEC teams from here. You got Ole Miss, Penn State. That'd be interesting. One team that, that can't move match, the ball yeah. against one team that absolutely can. I would like <laughs> Ole Miss in that scenario. Yep. Oregon, Alabama. Now that would be that would be playoff caliber. That would be match up there in, in the Cotton Bowl. That would be, and I and like I've said this multiple times on the show as well, Chris. There's no one more bullish on Dan Lanning. It's just a matter of time before that guy's back in this conference. Dude is feisty. His players play hard for him. Obviously comes from the Saban tree, was a general uh, general manager, was a GA, a graduate assistant for, you know, Saban in Alabama before he, you know, ascended up the ranks and become Georgia's defense coordinator in, you know, not a lot of years. And that's that's impressive about a person. Um, he'll be back in this conference as a head coach before long. I, I can say the same thing about Mike Elko. I'm not sure if he – I don't think Duke is obviously in a – you know, New Year's Six Bowl or anything, but the job he's done, um, I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but those are two guys that, you know, we're going to see 
maybe in conference that have, have, have done an unbelievable job with their team this year. I would love to see Dan Lanning against Nick Saban in a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, I think that, that could be grit your teeth and feisty and a lot of uh, a lot of veins popping out of the neck and the forehead from the sidelines in that game, yes. I think. so. Now, now, here's one I've not seen anywhere. You've got Iowa and Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl projected by Jerry Paul. I, I'm going to put the over-under for points for Iowa in that one at two and a half. Which way would you go? <laughs> I think that's accurate. I mean, I'm looking at that right now, and that might be the same score as uh, as the UConn game this past week. I think those I'm, teams could play baseball and maybe yeah, score more, I hope more that's runs not, and that you'd have points in this one. I hope that's not a matchup. That would not be a very fun matchup to watch, to be honest with you. I'd like to see a better opponent for Tennessee. NC State, LSU, uh, depending on how interested LSU shows. I, that That's right. not. Right. I, I would hope for something better for LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU and Ohio, now that'd be fascinating. It could, um, like you said, it's it's just going to be interesting to see where LSU's heads at by the end of the year because they've just been through the ring. Yeah, yeah, and and who opts out, who doesn't? Right. Uh, yeah. Music City Bowl, Wisconsin, and Texas A and M. I would think that would be two teams that would be uh, potentially disinterested based yeah. on expectations versus yeah. performance. But um, yeah, I, and I, I, I love I love I love the Music City Bowl. Obviously, I'm I'm here in Nashville, and so. Just don't give us Iowa, Kentucky again, yeah, please. God, yeah, don't, don't, let that just don't give me Iowa, Kentucky. But at the same time, if you're if you're playing the Music City Bowl, you probably fell a little short of of your goals yeah. for the year. So yeah, uh, we got North Carolina, Missouri in the Gator Bowl. That would be interesting. Could be very. They've still got um, Jerry Palm has got Florida projected to go to a bowl. It's got Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure who Florida beat in its last three games to get there. But that that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, man, that's another one. Like, give, give, well, I guess Kansas State Missouri would be a rematch. But yep. I don't know. I, w- I would like to see if you're going to go SEC on Kansas State. I would, I would like. To, hey, LSU. That's that's a better matchup. Let yeah. Florida and NC State play. Uh, if if we if we have our draw like here, I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, Oklahoma and Auburn in the Texas Bowl. Man, that, what a drop! What a drop off for Oklahoma. Two weeks ago, we're on this show talking about them competing in the playoff, and now they get to play an Auburn team that is going to squeak into a bowl game. Now this bit Duke, Duke and Duke and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That's facing it, Kentucky. Yeah, that could be a good one. Like I said, Mike Elko got a, done a great job there, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind a, a, a mayonnaise bath after that one. So I, I think we're going to do that. We need to bend the rules and have a mandatory basketball game afterwards between those two teams. You can Kentucky. Why, yeah, you're right. Seriously, they should do that. They should do right. That, that would be a yeah, good one. That's, that's got to be. No, we got um, okay. Jerry Palm has got South Carolina getting to the Birmingham Bowl. Now, I, I don't know if we're getting to that five and seven bowl territory here with some of these because that's a lot of SEC teams and bowls that that have got yeah. some work to do. That is. South Carolina would have to beat Vandy, Kentucky, and Clemson. Oh, am, I, am I right? that Because they're a three-win team at this point, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Come on, Jerry. Um, sure let me make sure I got that right. Those, yeah, South Carolina's got three wins. So I'm yeah. not – I have some I have some doubts about that. Although South Carolina, this is when Shane Beamer's teams come on like gangbusters and, and do what you didn't think. Now, here's, here's a – we got Mississippi State in there too. Yeah, like what? What is going on here? Well, he's got um, a little plus next to it. I don't know what that even means, but yeah, that they're who are they? Who does who do they have left? They're four and five. 
Okay, that plus is a replacement team. So, gotcha. I guess gotcha. that's that's your. Well, they're four and five. They're four and five, and they they got Southern Miss at home, and then which they'll win. Yep, and then they got to win one of the two between A and M or Ole Miss, which eh. who knows? Don't don't feel great about that. I I just don't think they can score. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Morning thoughts, my man. Uh, winners, a lot, lot, good winners. Alabama from this weekend, Arkansas, big win, much needed win. Losers, Florida, just can't take that loss at all. Um, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how that goes. But uh, maybe, maybe the not look. There were some more primetime games in the past, but overall as a whole, tight games this weekend. We didn't, we didn't speak a lot about Missouri, Georgia today. Look, no moral victories, but the future cannot be brighter in, yeah. in Columbia, Missouri. And I got it. Hope and hopefully we hit on this later this week, Chris. But I am. Well, I was so impressed with Missouri. I mean, they went toe to toe with a team that won twenty six in a row at home. Brady Cook, Luther Garrett Schrader, guys. I, I could not be more impressed with Missouri. And yeah. look, you, you talk about rooting for good guys. I think I think Drink's a good coach, and it's easy to root for guys like Brady Cook as well, who I think is just an absolute warrior. So hopefully we get into this more more so. I apologize for our Missouri fans that that. Uh, you know, watch our show here that we didn't get into it, but hopefully later in the week. No moral victories, but you're lying to yourself if the future's not bright there in Columbia. No, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing that I said on our Saturday night recap show is I thought that that's that's the kind of game that Georgia has just shown up yep. and beaten somebody into oblivion. Yep. Yep. Like yep. that that's the kind of game that Georgia goes out and wins forty five to three in yep. a lot of scenarios. I mean, it happened to Oregon to open the season. What was it last year? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when Georgia shows up and decides it wants to put the hammer down, yeah. more often than not, it is successful in doing that, especially, especially when it's playing especially at, at home. home. Yep. And that did not happen to Missouri. Mm-hmm. Look, you're you're sitting there. You have lost LSU. You've lost to Georgia. No shame in that. You're recruiting at a high level. You got the number yep. one player in the country committed. Yep. Um, you know, for all the all the fault that people have had with Drinkwitz. They've not been bad. I mean, they've just been a six-win team every year. Yep. He's found a way to take them to another level, and then their losses, they haven't been embarrassed. I feel like that is a program yeah. headed in a in a better direction. And not only have they not been embarrassed, but like there's there were serious moments in the second half, you could even say the fourth quarter, where like they have yeah. a chance to win the game in those two losses. And that's impressive. That's as impressive as as anything. And he's still doing it with with tenured guys. And uh, you know, we obviously know he's recruiting at a high level with 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 Burden there and, and getting the fruits of his labor there. And he's still got it going on, man. I I was impressed with their physicality, their grit, their toughness, and they really went toe to toe with Georgia in their house, man. I I got to give my props up to them. I really do. Okay, tomorrow we'll be live again at eleven central. We usually go to about eleven forty five ish. Or so. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on how much we have to talk about. We will take a look at the playoffs tomorrow, maybe try to, to read into somewhat of the committee did last week, try to take some results from last weekend, maybe make a guess at what we'll see Tuesday night. Wednesday, we'll react to what the committee did and maybe handicap the playoff chase. We'll take a look at upcoming games in the next few shows. Again, we do this every day starting at 11 on weekdays. And then hoops content. Guess what? Season starts today. We are literally, as we're doing this, a few hours from tip-off of SEC action. Georgia, Oregon with the big one today. And I think there's eight or nine other games. We will have a recap of those either late Monday night, probably Tuesday morning, I think is when we're planning. So going to talk some hoops because we talk everything football, baseball, and basketball here.
Yep. Thank you for watching. Hit that subscribe button, enable your notifications so you know when we've got something going up. Have a great day. God bless you. Thanks for watching Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.